What's going on there, youth pastors? Paul Turner here from the DiscipleProject.net and your host of the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that wants to keep you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. How are you today? I hope you're well. I had a pretty good Sunday myself. I hope you had a great Sunday service. I hope you got to hang out with your teenagers, had a good Sunday school class, all that kind of good stuff. And can I tell you a quick story real quick? So uh, a missionary came, uh, spoke for just a couple of minutes. I invited her to come down and talk to her students and she's a missionary to Peru. And uh, she just told us, you know, about Peru and and about why she was going there and and about her calling. And it was really great little talk and chat, you know, Q&A that we had with her. And uh, we mentioned, you know, somebody asked about what, uh, you know, what is Peru known for or something like that. She said llamas. I said, well, we need a, we need something llama-ish. We need a llama bucket to take our missions offering in. And I said, does anybody want to take that on? Well, a young lady in our group, uh, Taylor, took that on and brought that in today. And it is the most boss llama, which gave her a name, Lacey the Llama. And uh, I, we do something called Speed Light. So I'm calling it Speed Llama. And that's going to be our bucket to actually put our offerings in so that money can go towards missions and so if you want to check that out you can check out it's on my instagram at the d project on instagram there so check it out there'll be a link down below if you're interested but it is a boss looking llama i'm excited and you know what somebody came in today and put two dollars in it so i'm like hey already working raising money and of course if they raise a thousand dollars they're Something bad is going to happen to me. So I don't know if you've ever done something like that before. <laughs> I've done it maybe once. And uh, so they're going to do terrible things to my hair. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm sure they're going to come up with even weirder and wilder ideas as the time gets closer. So uh, pray for me. All right, time for the motion metrics where I talk about who's listening and from where. So our three top cities are Houston, Blairsville, and Harare. And the countries are the United States, Zimbabwe, and India. I believe this is our first time from Zimbabwe. So thanks for listening, Zimbabwe. This is a global podcast. There's people doing great youth ministry all over the planet. And I want to thank all of you, whether you're from the United States or from across the world. Thank you for loving teenagers and taking care of them and raising them in the faith and discipling them and sending them back out into the world. So if you read the title, uh, Is This Our Fault? (laughs) Is the failing church our fault? And by our fault, meaning youth pastors and youth ministry. The context for this is an article by the Christian Post. And the title is, Uncommitted Christians Causing Catastrophic Decline in Biblical Worldview in America, According to Barna. And so I'm going to share with you uh, the article with you, and then I'll let you decide. Is, you know, is the youth ministry that you and I are doing, is it contributing to the lack of a biblical worldview? But once again, I'll let you decide that uh, in your listening to it. Now, today's episode is brought to you by the Disciple Project Store, and I want to talk about two great resources. The first one is a fairly immediate resource that I think you will benefit from, and that is 50 Halloween Would You Rather questions that you can use with your youth ministry. So you get the 50 Would You Rather questions which include questions like, would you rather be a vampire or a werewolf? Would you rather spend the night in a haunted house or a creepy cemetery? Would you rather have a black cat or a ghost companion? And, you know, and so forth. And so they're, they're meant to be just kind of fun conversation starters. And in addition to that, though, I'm giving you 50 
Instagram graphics so that you can post and allow your students and others who maybe follow you on Instagram to be able to engage with that. And you say, hey, put your answers down below. Which of these would you choose? I also give you a slide presentation with 10 of these on there. So if you want to use them in your group, you can do that, put them on the screen. And I give you a bunch of different ways to use it as a group dynamic so people can get to know each other and chat and have little small groups and conversations and all those kind of things. In addition to the IG graphics, you're also going to get TikTok graphics. So if you want to put music behind it and put that out there for your students to be able to engage with, you can do that as well. And in addition to that, I also give you 50 which is scarier questions. Questions like, which is scarier? Jesus asking you to get out of the boat like Peter or Jesus asking you to cast demons out of people? Or how about which is scarier? Being David on the run from King Saul or being Elijah on the run from Jezebel? Now you say, Paul, my kids don't know who David is or uh, Elijah. Well, the whole point is that of this, what is scarier is to kind of bring that up, is to bring that up into a small group in the month of October, maybe before you get your lesson started and ask three or four questions just to kind of get the vibe going and get maybe get some interest in that and say, that really happened? Was that a thing? And then you have a chance to kind of talk about those things as a group. And with that, you're also going to get the IG graphics and the TikTok graphics and a presentation with 10 which is scarier on them and the ability to be able to add to that. And you can get both of these for only a buck 99. That's right, you're gonna get over 100 questions with slides, with graphics, all those things, buck 99, link down in the show notes. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into the article and I will share with you the second resource later because I think it will apply to this article. Okay, once again, the article is called Uncommitted Christians Causing Catastrophic Decline in Biblical Worldview in America, According to Barna. This is an article by Leonardo Blair, Senior Features Reporter. Millions of uncommitted Christians are causing catastrophic decline in biblical worldview in America because they have been poorly discipled in their faith and often don't know how to pass on biblical values to their children. Research in a new book from veteran Christian researcher George Barner shows. So let me jump in here and say that, you know, when I read an article like this, especially about a book, one of the goals of the article is to sell the book. So I'm fully aware that as I'm reading this, this is also kind of a pitch to say, I need to know more. I want to find out more. And you may want to find out more. And if you want, I'll put a link down to the book so you can get it for yourselves. And I've been following Barna for quite some time, uh, watching his research and uh, all the work that he does to help inform the church so the church can do their mission better. All that to say, I have no bias either way. I'm intrigued by the title and I'm intrigued by the effect it will have on churches and youth ministry going forward. Our church is going to ramp up to say we need to do a better job in youth ministry and we need to do a better job of biblically equipping our students. Will churches up their youth ministry budgets because they say, well, we have to reach more students and we have to bring more students into the church so they can be taught what a biblical worldview is because there are pastors who are going to read this book and then we'll have to make decisions based on the information they're receiving. But listen, youth worker, this is also for you because now that you're hearing it from me or you've read it for yourself there in the Christian Post, you can take that information and bring it to your pastor and say, Pastor, here's where Barna says we're missing some things. And maybe you can then say, hey, based on this, should we think about 
upping the youth ministry budget? Should we talk about a stylistic difference of the way we do youth ministry? Should we do more retreats based around biblical worldview? And there's probably a dozen other things you can think of to write down and say, maybe I need to bring this up at the next board meeting or staff meeting and see what people are thinking about that, as well as using the information uh, that's in this article to bolster your youth ministry programming in a direction that's going to help facilitate building a biblical worldview. All right, let's continue on. Research from the book comes from seven original studies conducted as part of a collaborative effort between the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University and the Family Research Council. The studies examine the ability of parents to intentionally and strategically raise spiritual champions among the nation's children. According to the book, many Christians feel so ill-equipped in their ability as parents that they have been swept up in a growing trend of outsourcing their responsibility. Okay, quick newsflash. Parents have been doing that for quite some time. Uh, And once again, I I feel triggered by that because we don't want parents to outsource it. We want parents to do it themselves. We would love if parents would disciple their kids. We would love it if they taught them at home and taught them biblical truth and had Bible study with them. And many of us as youth pastors encourage that. We give resources. We send emails. We talk to parents. We have parent meetings. We are on the side of parents. We would love for them to do it. I would love to be out of a job, be honest with you. I would love it if parents, and if I was just the guy that showed up on Wednesday night and we and it was to do things, to be a launch pad, to do other things, whether it's missions or whether it's doing local outreaches or things that parents don't have time to do, or if my role was to just do parents. Say, look, parents, you're teaching your kid at home. Good. Let's do a launch pad. Let's use this as an opportunity to gather as families and do family outreaches together. Let's reach our community together. And some of you are probably doing that already. And some churches need to catch up to that idea and say, you know what, maybe we need to switch a little bit. Maybe the church needs to rethink youth ministry in this regard. How about we quit treating it like a silo ministry and start treating it as an integrated process within the main body so that we can work together with families and that we are designed that way. And rather just looking at a calendar and throwing some things on there, we're asking the question, how can we do this together? How can the youth ministry and families and parents all work together so that these young people have a cord of three strands that is not easily broken so that kids are getting what they need and parents are getting what they need and youth pastors are being used to their highest potential and not relegated to running a youth program that has almost no bearing on the larger body. Okay, based on that commentary, I'll just let you know this might be a longer than usual episode of the podcast. Let's go ahead and jump back into it. During the research, parents often shared doubts about their own parenting ability, even expressing that although they are doing the best they can, they don't feel that they are very good parents. Barna, the director of research at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, explains in a summary of the research highlighted in the book. But because they love their children and want them to have the best experiences and outcomes, parents look to find people who they believe can do the job in various dimensions of their child's lives. He wrote that parents look for the best teachers, coaches, and other experts who can give their children the training they believe they need to succeed. 
Now, I can say that this research echoes what Andrew Root said in the end of youth ministry, and he has a very good take on it. He that's, This came out, I think, two years ago, I want to say, and it's also a great book. I'll put a link down that in the show notes as well. But if you read that book, you'll, you'll get the early inklings that parents are making choices based on who is going to give their kids not only the most success, but who is going to make their children the happiest. As a result, parents have stepped back and handed over the worldview development process to experts who may or may not share their worldview and values. I think this also speaks to our need as youth pastors to up our game, to be more professional, to be more of an expert in the sense of, yes, we understand what spiritual formation is. We know what discipleship is. We know what it means to raise a family. We know what it means to teach kids. We can be the experts. We can be the trusted people. You know, part of the problem is that uh, that the memification of youth ministry has made youth ministry just sound dumb and stupid. And in some ways, even untrustworthy in a sense, because, well, all they do is play games and all they do is this and all they do is take trips, which is also unhelpful when it's people in our own congregation who say those things. Because I know, and you know, that we are doing our dead level best every week to teach the gospel and teach what it means to mature in faith. I am doing a series with my group right now called baby steps. How do we grow in our faith? How do we move from this phase to that phase? How do we put away childish things? And yet a lot of times the people in our church only see trips. They're only going to see the flashy stuff. They don't see what we're doing in those conversations at Taco Bell. And they don't see or listen to the conversations in the van rides. And they're not there for that. So I guess if we want more parents to look at the youth ministry and the youth pastors being the expert, then the church has to start looking at the youth ministry as a respectable ministry in the church and the youth pastor as a respected staff member in the church who can help facilitate the needs of the families within this church. And I believe if that happens, then more and more parents will start trusting the youth program and the youth pastor, because people are speaking well of it. People are saying that the youth pastor is not just a, you know, somebody who plays games or does trips, but they're actually doing real ministry with parents, with students, with the community to build up and disciple young people to send them out into the world. The evangelical pollster added, our worldview is the decision-making filter that informs every decision we make, intellectual, moral, emotional, and spiritual. To have a biblical worldview, he says, is to think like Jesus so that you can act like Jesus. Despite scriptures such as Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, Proverbs 2, 1 through 13, 29, 17, 2 Corinthians 12, 14, Ephesians 6, 4, showing that parents are the ones who are charged with the primary responsibility of their children's spiritual development and discipleship. Fewer than 10% of parents today have invested in any kind of spiritual development plan for their children. That's facts. But guess what, youth pastors, you know what we can do? Give them a plan going forward. That's one of our responsibility is to help parents have a schedule, have a process, how to have discussions with their kids in the car, how to have a Bible study at home. You could literally create a stepping stone process for your parents by giving them information of how to do this at home. And once again, parents have to want to do this. 
as well. It's a partnership. It can't just be us shouting in the darkness that, hey, this is a really good thing you should do for your kids. It should be, hey, this is the model going forward. You're in charge. You're the parents. We love you. We appreciate you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for your kids. And we'd love to be a small part of your child's process to knowing Christ, loving Christ, and serving Christ if you allow us to participate. Most of them, parents, are also found incapable of passing on biblical worldview to their children because most don't have one. Just 2% of parents with children under 13 were found to have a biblical worldview, while 94% had embraced syncretism, which is described as a hodgepodge mixture of competing and often conflicting worldviews. The book's data shows that just 22% of parents of preteens in America are born-again Christians, and only 8% of them hold a biblical worldview, while 58% of born-again Christian parents accept that they have the primary responsibility for the spiritual development of their children. 23% of them leave that job up to the churches. Research shows are increasingly unreliable sources of biblical worldview training, Barter stated, which I don't, I don't understand the context, but I don't understand if he's saying that churches are unreliable <laughs> for biblical worldview training, uh, but we carry on. Most parents, even born-again parents, do not really think the spiritual component of their child's life is a big deal, at least not as big of a deal as doing well in school, sports, or relationships. And even if they are focused on building their child's biblical worldview, very few parents today, only 2%, possess biblical worldview themselves. Barna notes, they can't give what they don't have, and this creates a gaping spiritual vacuum as today's parents are raising their children. The research shows that just 36% of 13 and 14-year-olds believe that God exists and is the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe, while only 1% of preteen children possess a biblical worldview. A majority of the youngest teens, 61%, either believe Jesus Christ sinned while he was on the earth or hold open the possibility that he did. Barna notes, not even half, 45%, believe that God created the universe and an overwhelming majority believe that there are no absolute objective truths. Barna encouraged parents who want to develop a biblical worldview in their children to first understand that this is their primary task in life, to raise their children to know, love, and serve God with all their heart, mind, and soul. Know their life task is more important. He noted that because an individual's worldview is largely in place by the age of 13, parents should invest in discipling their children during their early years by making a life-defining commitment to Jesus and converting biblical belief into action, among other recommendations. Using this foundation, any child can build a purposeful and influential life that glorifies God, Barna said, of the recommendations he makes in his book. Starting with these simple and basic biblical tenets empowers a child to construct a spiritual base that is scripturally solid, leading to life choices that are not only consistent and defensible, but also fulfilling and comforting. And that's the end of the article, which I think that if you read the article, and I'll put a link to the article down in the show notes as well, read it for yourself. But if even if you buy the book and read through it, it, it gives you an idea maybe of where your teaching needs to go or where your programming needs to go. And yes, there are immediate needs within all our youth ministries of things that we need to address. But if this is the dilemma that we find ourselves in, that young people think Jesus sinned 
or hold open the possibility that he sinned, then we need to do a, a series on the deity of Christ and Jesus being God and why Jesus was a sinless lamb. And really this research can, you know, either make you feel like you're not doing enough, or you can see it as a way of saying, you know what, if those are the needs that are happening across the board, then maybe I can go ahead and help facilitate this among parents, among my students, and you can use this as a stepping stone to say, listen, parents, here's the research that I have found. Here's something that I have read. And here's some ways that you can use this to teach your kids that Jesus was sinless. And here's some ways you can learn for yourself, parents. You know, there are some parents who don't understand, who don't read the Bible for themselves, and that's choices that they make but maybe sharing the research with them and saying, listen, we want to help come alongside of you as a, as a way to say, listen, we're here as a youth ministry, as a youth pastor, not to look down and, and determine that you are, you know, not spiritually able to take care of your kids. No, we want to bolster your ability to take care of your kids. We believe you can do it and we want to give you the stepping stone. So here's something on the deity of Christ and here's something on the sinlessness of Christ. And here's something on, you know, the creation of the world and how to talk about creation with your kids or any number of things. So don't be discouraged by the research. Don't be discouraged by that. Use it in your ministry to say, here's a platform. Here's a way to propel forward a plan for family ministry. And this is my way that I'm going to step up my game to be the expert. I'm going to be as good as that coach or that teacher. I'm going to present myself as somebody who has knowledge about what it means on spiritual formation and what the world looks like that their kids are going into and help create resources or recommend books or create space through retreats or dinners or other ways for parents to be able to have conversations with their kids. So yeah, that was a lot. And as you can tell, I'm super passionate about it. I'm super passionate about how the youth ministry looks within the context of a church and the responsibility of the youth pastor to present themselves as somebody who doesn't just play games or take trips, but they actually have a system in place for making disciples. And this is where I want to recommend my second resource from my store, and that is the Disciple Project Outreach Manual, where I talk about my view of discipleship, youth discipleship, discipleship within the church, and how canceling your meeting for a season to actually go do the things that disciples did will actually help form disciples within your youth ministry. And if you are interested in that, I will put a link down in the show notes below. And that is it for today, Youth Pastors. Thank you for joining me today. If you're brand new here to the podcast, thank you so much for being here. If you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to go ahead and click that subscribe button. And that way you'll get these episodes into your feed every week. And if you're a regular, as always, I appreciate your time and your attention. And to answer the question, are we at fault for creating uncommitted Christians causing catastrophic decline in biblical worldview in America? I'm going to say no. Not entirely, because we're the church and because we have to work together, there'll be lots of people who want to point their fingers at youth ministries or children's ministries. But let me tell you something, we got to work together if we are going to see this turn around. And listen, if nobody has told you lately that you're doing a good job, let me tell you, you're doing a good job and you're only going to get better. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Have a great week, everybody.